is the Milo Beasley Show. This is the Milo Beasley Show. There's only one thing you need to know. This is the Milo Beasley Show. And now, here's your host, Milo Beasley. And welcome to the Milo Beasley Show. Do 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 do. We're getting. We're getting super close to the holiday season. And if you're anything like me, then you are watching Christmas movies every single night. And if you are, then you may recognize our next guest. Please help me welcome. You may recognize her from Elf as New York One reporter, uh, Charlotte Denon. Please help me welcome Claire Lotier. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> oh, Milo. Life is very interesting. Uh, everyone who's watching, I don't normally sit in the dark for interviews, but <laughs> um, I live in France now, and it's nighttime here, and uh, we've got no power. We've got, our electricity is out, and this just happened today. And uh, you know, I've got some amazing, handy friends who are over here taking uh, my electrical boxes apart trying to find the problem and uh i gotta tell you it's been one of those days so here i am sitting in my car with the little overhead lights on very flattering very flattering lighting uh to to uh, join milo on the show but we thought it might be funny for you guys who are watching <laughs> uh, absolutely well I, I i do again want to thank you for uh spending your time um, you know, I guess you just have other people, you know, like, can you go fix that? I'm just going to go be in my car for, for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I was like, I, I can't stick around in the dark and the cold <laughs> to watch you guys work. <laughs> so I, I exited, um, but I'm hoping they're going to have some good news for me and we'll have some power tonight. So how long have you been without power today? Uh, since about uh, nine 30 this morning. Uh, oh, no. so, yeah, well, you know. I, I escaped to do my work in the library, um, but you know, there's there's not a lot you can do without power these days, right? I mean, you got to right. plug in your devices, and uh, you know, life doesn't stop. So, uh, fingers crossed. How what's the temperature? How cold is it? It's about let's see, in in European uh, Celsius, it's ten. So that's you know, high forties, high forties, low fifties. Yeah, that's still not something you just want to you know. Well, I don't know, man. I can sleep in the cold. Maybe not that well, cold. You know, I the, this, since we're on the topic, Milo, I um, for the last couple of months, I haven't had any heat either. And it didn't bother me when it was uh, pleasant outside. But now we're starting to feel the bite of winter coming. And I, my life has turned into a year in Provence. Uh, only where we live in the other south of France, close to the border of Spain. But it's just been it's been a comedy of errors, one thing after another going wrong. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful place and a beautiful property. Um, but you know, I guess uh, it's testing one's resolve, testing one's patience. Um, it, it it brings up all the negativity that you've got in you, you know, to complain about what's going on, or just it's real diagnostic of how you're doing inside yourself, you know, when uh, when the chips are down. So I've been uh, trying to take it as uh, the the learning that it is, and uh, um, you know, every now and then I crack a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you seem to be in great spirits, all things considered. So. We can see the smile, so that is that is the most important. Uh, so we can see that you know your spirits are still high, still high. So uh, again, you know, um, I want to thank you. So 
uh, before we get into, like, I, I definitely want to talk about Elf, but, um, and then obviously your uh, 180 degree, you know, career life change. But so what made you, what part of that made you move to France in the first place? Oh, well, you know, I've, I've been coming back and forth to France. I'm, I'm, if you look at my last name, which is Lotier, we say Lotier in English. In French, it's Lotier, and it's a, it's a French name. And my father was French. I've got this whole side of my family uh, that is French and live, lives in France. And so, you know, I've had a relationship with this country my whole life. And uh, in the last five years, I started, six years, uh, I started going back and forth to France quite a lot. Um, because I was studying with a spiritual teacher, uh, a master, yoga master, and uh, he was such a powerful influence on me that I really, I was going back and forth uh, commuting between uh, where we lived in Canada and France uh, three or four times a year. And, uh, you know, as, as I was on that journey, I started thinking, you know, I, I, well, I was spending so much more time with my family here and really um, renewing those bonds and, and deepening those relationships. And it felt so good. And, and, um, uh, you know, it felt like some kind of healing was going on. And, and I started thinking, well, rather than commuting back and forth <laughs> between across the Atlantic, right. Um, That's a long good to have a place here, you know? And yeah. And so, uh, originally I was just looking for something, you know, simple, little, you know, not a big deal. Uh, and then, uh, like a crazy person, I, I saw this gorgeous place, uh, when I was here last year, fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, in the midst of all the COVID stuff, uh, there's, there've been so many changes, uh, in the world. I don't need to tell you guys that, um, But, uh, and, and because of the work I do now enables me to work online, um, and I can pretty much work from anywhere. I thought, well, why not just go have a change in life? And my husband, who's an amazing, uh, you know, adventurous, uh, person with a huge heart, you know, who will just like, he decided, okay, let's do it, you know, and he's at a place in his life where, you know, he's, he's older than me and, and he's had a long career and, uh, you know, he, he thought, well, you know, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to just, you know, uh, feel what's coming next and what better way to take a break than to move to a country, um, where he doesn't speak the language and, and, uh, you know, do something completely different buy a big sprawling, irresponsible place and, uh, live, live, you know, you spend all our money in one place. <laughs> put everything on the line. That's, that's, I like, that's how I like to live, you know, put everything on the line, stress to the maximum, uh, right. to squeeze all of the, the, uh, the stuff, you know, and, and to, 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 to learn and to live, you know, that's what I love to do. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm putting a really positive spin on it right now after a day with no electricity and two months without heat, but <laughs> right. But that's okay. It's it's an adventure. It really is an adventure. So after five or six years, has he begun to pick up the language yet? Well, he hasn't been here for five or six years. We only moved this summer. Oh, you only moved this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all brand new. Totally oh, brand new. That's... Yeah. For both of us. Uh, and, so, and so he, he'll pick up the language eventually, but he's one of those people who, uh, you, you know, everywhere he goes, he makes friends and it doesn't matter about any kind of language barrier. Right. Uh, he's just, uh, you know, when he was, uh, touring through, uh, India 
one year and uh, he, he was with a tour guide for a part of the time and she she gave him a nickname. She said, your, your name is Bala. And he said, okay, what does that mean? And she said, Bala means the one who is loved by everyone. So, uh, you know, he has that gift of being able to communicate from the heart uh, with all different kinds of people. I've learned a lot from him. So uh, that's, that's a gift. Yeah, it's a blessing. That's, uh, that, that's amazing. Now, you said you lived in Canada. Um, so I think that's going to surprise people who, uh, you know, assume that maybe prior to this, because you were in, in film and television, didn't live in Hollywood. Oh, gosh, I never lived in Hollywood. I spent one year. I spent one year living in L.A. Um, back in 2004. And uh, but, you know, uh, I mean, the reason that we lived in Canada was because we were both uh, employed at the Stratford Festival, uh, the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Um, my background is as a classical actress in the theater. Right. Um, you know, doing Shakespeare and the, the great writers, you know, that that's really my background. And I did some TV and film as well. And some of the things just happened to be things that, you know, got, got to be well known. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of actors, most actors that I know, probably 90 percent of actors, um, they, you know, they they're working in the theater. They're doing things that don't necessarily get a lot of exposure, but they're having a life and a career, you know, right. as actors. And so. Um, we lived in Stratford, Ontario, the home of the Stratford Festival, which is the biggest uh, Shakespeare festival in the world uh, right. for 13 years and worked there. Um, and then the last five or six years, my life completely took a, a completely different turn. Uh, and uh, and I, I sort of pull, pulled away from all of that. But and to, to do something, uh, I guess you could say related in some ways, but uh, but totally different. Right. Um, but yeah, and before that, you know, 17 years in New York City and um, as a lot of uh, theater actors, uh, you know, uh, are based out of New York. And, and right. so I was too, you know, like a lot of them. So do you remember, do you remember auditioning for Elf in particular? Yeah. 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 I was remember it? it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I just had a really good feeling about that one. And I, uh, I went in, sometimes you just know it's yours, you know, and, and, and I went in and I met John Favreau who was there and uh, I can't remember who the casting director was, uh, but John Favreau was the director and, um, right. you know, uh, just, it was easy, you know, so I wasn't surprised when it was offered and I, and I thought, oh, it'll be fun, you know, it'll be fun, got to shoot at home and uh, don't have to go anywhere and, uh, uh, you know, it was just another job. So, so, uh, but... When did you realize that that movie was going to be a, a big thing? I mean, there's there's holiday movies every year, but yeah, a lot of them just they they don't become anything. When did you realize that? Oh my gosh, I'm part of something that's really big. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, I think it it was a progressive dawning. You know, I mean, when we saw them when it premiered and we went to the premiere, thought, oh, that's, it's good. It's really good. You know, right. Uh, it's a great, it's a fun movie. You know, I felt, I felt great being a part of it, you know, but you, I didn't think any further than that. And then, uh, just started playing every year and then it kind of grew and it grew and had a following and, and then, you know, then they created a musical and then <sighs> there were, you know, like books created from it and you know the the book version and then it was translated into other languages there's the french version of elf you know and oh. it's voiced over it's not my voice when i come on it's voiced over by a french actress and i thought well they could have asked me <laughs> they 
probably didn't know I was French. This anyway, is true. Um, yeah. That's funny. And then I guess a few years ago, somebody told me that it was in the top 10 or top five Christmas movies of all time, along with like, It's a Wonderful Life and, and Miracle and 34th Street. Things like, I was like, what? Oh my God, that's amazing. It's, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a... It's a it's a nice compliment. It's, it's it's enjoyable to have been part of something like that, and to have been part of something that's brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. I haven't watched it in 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 a while, but you know, I I I've always enjoyed it because I love Will Ferrell. He's one of my favorite actors and a really stellar guy too. And so you know, it just it's joyful. You know, it's delightful to have just been part of something like that. You know, um, and and it's interesting how I can relate what I do now back to a moment um, uh, when Elf was released, actually, I, uh, I, I went to see a healer um, because I've always been sort of para in a parallel way involved in, right. uh, in growth and personal growth, spiritual growth, self-improvement, all of that stuff. And I, I was uh, sitting uh, speaking with a healer and she said to me, she said, Claire, you need to l allow yourself to be seen. And suddenly my mind flashed to the fact that my face was on all of these screens across the country at that moment because the movie was had had opened right. nationwide you know and there were those just those brief moments where my my face was on the big screen just like that you know and 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 it kind of went right through me when she said that and i and i and i thought well i i am being seen right now and and i've always remembered that moment because there's what you show on screen, who you appear to be, and uh, you know the, uh, the 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 reality of your life, uh, as opposed to the mask that you show, right? The reality mm -hmm. of your life, and then beneath that, there's something else, which is uh, which has nothing to do with anything that you think of as you, being you, right? So. Right. Um, Anyway, I can I can count back to that moment a sort of uh, a marker in a way, you know, that was put in the ground um, that that I can trace, you know, looking back, connecting the dots back to that moment where I was told that I had to be willing to be seen. And uh, and I and I've and I've said that to many clients uh, since then because I understand what it means. Right. That's that, that's great. Now I have to I have to to ask. I, I think a lot of people are, are wondering because it's one of the most iconic uh, lines in the movie. Um, were you married at this point, or did when when you uh, did your uh, boyfriend, fiance, future husband, did everyone you know do the uh, you know she wants you to to stop dragging your feet and commit already? And commit already. <laughs> Uh, I was married at the time, but I was married to someone else. Uh, oh. I was married to my first husband, uh, who's a wonderful guy. Um, and uh, yeah, but that line, <laughs> she wants a Tiffany ring. And for, I can't remember. Yeah, oh, yeah to stop dragging ring, his feet and commit right. already. <laughs> right, yeah. to stop, right. <laughs> yeah, Such a yeah. <laughs> such a, a great line and, and the way it was uh, delivered. And then, you know, your, your face after that, such a, a, a memorable scene in a, in a movie that has, you know, very, you know, me huge memorable scenes. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. So then, so 
at what point did you decide to change careers from, you know, from, you know, enter the entertainment business into the, uh, I, I don't know if it's a life coach, the spiritual coach. Um, I'm sure it wasn't a career change. I'm sure it was more like a life change and then the career came later, but yeah. what sparked the life change? Well, you know, Milo, um, I think people, a lot of people have a, have an image of uh, actors and, and, you know, people like me who have done some movies that, you know, for one reason or another, the movies, you know, had got some attention or, you know, that, that it's a glamorous life that, you know, that you meet all kinds of famous people and that, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's, right. And, and, you know, sometimes that was true. I've been to the Oscars. I did a short film that was nominated for an Oscar back in 2000, 2001 or something. You know, I, I've, I've met amazing people uh, who are, you know, iconic in the business. I've worked with people like that. Um, you know, Christopher Plummer, uh, David Duchovny, um, Ricky Gervais, uh, Will Ferrell, of course, among others. And, 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 had some amazing experiences, but, um, you know, life is a lot more than that. And, um, I had not really been happy for a while in my career. Um, but it really was not, uh, now I understand that it really was not about my career. It was that I hadn't connected with something deeper in me than, um, what I, what I could, um, uh, in other words, my self-esteem and self-image was really tied to um, my resume, you know, my accomplishments, the perception of me and my career, what I was doing, to, to some very superficial things. And uh, I couldn't live that way uh, because, uh, because life is more than that. And because, you know, I wasn't the kind of actor who had, you know, I think if I had had huge success and, you know, start in a bunch of movies and had a whole, you know, massive Hollywood career, it would have, it would have been a lot harder for me to have right. that realization, you know, it would have been easier to be distracted by, uh, you know, a high level of success and visibility. Uh, and I would not have um, been forced to turn inward the way that I was that I was forced to do and I didn't do it willingly you know I I had a lot of resistance uh, but it felt like I was being pushed off the wheel you know it felt huh. like I was being pu pulled in a, uh, a different direction and I didn't want to go uh, but to be honest I felt that way very early in my career I felt drawn to the spiritual path Right. Uh, but I knew that if I said yes to it back then, that it would just, that would become my life. And I think my ego was not, uh, was far too strong to, uh, to, to surrender to that. Right. Um, and, uh, so I pursued, uh, a path that I, that I believed would, uh, make me feel whole and complete. Uh, but of course you can't ever get that feeling from something that you do. It's something that you are and, right. uh, and you have to go down into yourself to feel that sense of completeness. It's innate, you know, and we get confused and we think it's out there someplace with through another person or through 
a job or an accomplishment, you know, uh, and, and I think we should know by now that it, that's not the case or we wouldn't have so many people who appeared to be at the pinnacle of success who then, you know, committed suicide right? Uh, because they realized that ain't it. So the change for me came from the fact that I was increasingly unhappy, dissatisfied, mm. negative, and becoming bitter. And uh, I knew that that wasn't really me. And uh, I was in enough emotional and then physical pain. Then I came down with a case of frozen shoulder out of the blue that just was excruciating and lasted about 18 months oh. in 2012. And then I really, that's when I made a break and I started to um, earnestly seek um, where I was being, you know, taken. And uh, so as I... Um, as I mentioned, I, I, I came into contact, I, I was already teaching yoga and I came into contact oh. with a, uh, yeah, with a, a, a spiritual teacher in France, uh, again, seemingly by accident, but these things are never random. Uh, <laughs> we don't live in a random universe. So, um, but I met him and it just rocked my world. It had such a powerful impact that um, I came back uh, and I, um, I walked out of a contract at the theater um, because I just, it just felt wrong. I just felt like I, I wasn't in the right place and I, I needed to make a decision Ooh. about what, what I was going to pursue in my life, you know? Um, and so I, uh, you know, I, I, I was never the kind of person who backed out of a contract who, uh, you know, left other people in the lurch. Um, I, I've, I always tried not to ever do anything like that, but I really had to make a, a decision because it was so strong uh, that I just wanted to go back and be near this teacher and to be able to, to train with him. And so I did that. Uh, and it was a, a total uh, departure from uh, my behavior, uh, from the way that I had conducted myself, you know, but amazingly uh, and very gratifyingly, I was supported in that decision by everyone around me, including the artistic director of the theater, who uh, who was so kind and said, I think it's wonderful and I'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. And so many people were like, yes, go, Claire, you go, go do that. <laughs> and so I spent the next four or five years um, in a deep dive. I went through a big transformation and I'm still you know in that transformation right. because I fully embraced it and uh, and and I you know sort of withdrew my energy from my previous occupation um, except for one project which I really uh, which happened and I I said yes to it because it gave me so much joy and that was to do a musical that uh, a new musical that was uh, just being written and uh, the music that I sang was written just for me and, um, you know, was a beautiful cast. It was an amazing show. It was called The Hockey Sweater. Uh, and we had two, um, two different uh, incarnations of it, one in Montreal and one in uh, Ottawa, the National Arts Centre. And it was, uh, you know, a, an adaptation of a children's classic that's very well known in Canada. And, you know, that was a, an experience of total joy. And, and for the first time in my whole career, I had no attachment. And so right. 
I could really enjoy it. You know, I wasn't worried about what are people going to think? What are the reviews going to say? Blah, blah, blah. I just, all of the stuff that used to really um, torture me before that I allowed to torture me before it was as if it had all just evaporated and it could be easy again, you know? And so right. that was how I said goodbye to, to that career. You know, not, I didn't plan to say goodbye to it and say, that's the last thing, you know, and I still do sing and I love to do concerts and, uh, and, and, you know, seeing any chance I get, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, it, it just, the, the, the energy in that was spent because it no longer, um, it was no longer necessary. I learned what I needed to learn from it. I learned how to hold space. I learned how to open myself up to something greater moving through me. I learned how to, um, uh, I learned how to transmit, uh, energy. I learned how to channel light, um, and darkness. And, uh, you know, all of that stuff was a wonderful preparation for the work that I was to do next. And I didn't even know what it was right. at the time. You know, I just, I basically didn't have a job, you know, I didn't have, I, I wasn't making any money. <laughs> you know? I had a very wonderful patient husband who just, uh, you know, blessed me and allowed me to go through that big change and uh supported me you know uh in every way and uh so then of course you know i it felt like that was coming to a, a conclusion that training that i went through and that i was going to have to well you know what am i doing with my life now and i knew that i was here to serve i just didn't know in what way exactly and and so it took me a little bit of time but i eventually went through uh, coaching training to become a certified life mastery consultant and um and uh, now i call myself a spiritual coach so uh you know and i've created my own programs and um and i help people to align you know with with purpose with their purpose to right. understand the universal laws and um uh to yeah to come into alignment with their true nature and to drop the mask you know, to allow themselves to be seen, <laughs> to drop the mask, uh, and to trust, um, to trust in, in, in their own divinity, you know? So that's been my process, which has been, uh, the path of grace. And, and that's what I, that's what I do now. And I believe that that's why I'm here is to transmit that and to help people find that within themselves. So that, that's a, you know, in a nutshell, kind of a big nutshell my journey <laughs> now i mean you said you had a great support system and people were like yes go out and do that but prior to you know talking to these people in person were you were you scared or worried that you might be letting them down or you know people are like you're you're in the entertainment business there's people clawing and killing trying to get in no. and you're trying to get out Totally. I was very scared. I was very worried about what people would think, you know, what people would say about me. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was always very concerned about what other people thought, you know, uh, and, uh, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a real limitation, you know? Um, <clears throat> and, um, I, I didn't want to let other people down, obviously. Uh, I'd made a commitment to something and I, you know, I had to back out, but like I said, you know, there, there was a great deal of support. And I think there's, when you say yes to what's true, 
in you. You're always supported by the universe, even if on the level of fact, you know, you might receive resistance uh, or resentment from other people or, you know, um, opposition. Uh, sometimes that's what you need to overcome, actually. But in my case, it was it was almost like, you know, the river just turned and, and all the flow went in that direction quite quite easily once I let go of the idea that that I had obligations you know and that I had to I had to um, uh, do something that didn't feel right or natural to me in that moment you know at that time um, once I let go of that and once I allowed myself to say yes to what was really calling me then um, in some ways life got a lot a, a lot easier uh, and also a lot more challenging because then you really have to face, you know, you have to face what's, what is in you that needs to be healed and all of the, the darkness comes up and the things that, you know, uh, that we all have in us that, um, that are, are coming up for, for healing. Yeah. So on your, on your website, it sounds very similar to the quote that's on your website, open your life to grace. That mm -hmm. it's, all those things that you're saying is basically open your life to grace, but with a, a lot more words. Um, so how, uh, what does, so, I mean, without repeating what you had just said, what does open your life to grace mean to you? <clears throat> yes. To me, it's the discovery that you have everything within you already. Okay. That's and and that that life is benevolent. That's that's good to <clears throat> that's good to hear. Uh, you know, I, I struggle with that myself, and I, I and I'm sure that there's uh, a a lot of a lot of people that do, and and you know, I hopefully you're you're able to help them out. Uh, also, a, a quote that is on your on your uh, site is. Um, being at the end of your spiritual rope. <laughs> yes. So, I mean that that one that one hit me rather uh, rather hard. But uh, can you can you go into a little bit more detail on when you felt like you were at the end of your spiritual rope? Yeah, that's happened many times. Um, that's that that place that you get to where you just know you can't do things the way that you've been doing them up until now any longer. And it's a powerful moment because that's when you're most likely to surrender. You know, uh, it's, that's when you're most likely to say, I can't do this on my own. Please, uh, God or universe or whatever power that you, uh, that you believe is running things. If you believe in a higher power, please help me. Right. right. And that, when we crack, when the shell of the ego cracks and you can't, uh, you, you let go of your resistance, uh, because you know, the, the ego, uh, it has a, is narcissistic at its core and right. it believes itself to be the author of all experience. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, it, um, it, it's in resistance to the truth of your being which is a blinding light that uh, dissolves the ego in, in a flash um, when it's allowed to, uh, 
to, to finally come through. Uh, and so, you know, being at the end of your spiritual rope is that experience of, I can't take it anymore. I don't, I, I've, I've reached the end of this, whatever this is, and I can't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crack. And sometimes it feels like you want to die. Sometimes it feels like you're gonna, you know, blow. Uh, but it's a powerful, uh, place to be in your life because that's where you're most susceptible and vulnerable and open to change and where the grace can enter your life. Right. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's good to know. And that's good to hear. Uh, I want to talk about, again, on the, your, the opening, your, your, the front page of your website at the very top is the latest podcast that you have. So you do your, uh, it's called the grace space. Um, what made you decide to get into the podcast game? Was that part of, was that pandemic related or had you already been doing that prior to, uh, well, not being able to go anywhere. Yeah, I think I, I, I had been doing it prior to, um, well, you know, it's a way to teach. It's a way to reach people. Um, and the spoken word, uh, as an, as an actor, as a performer, as a singer, the vibration of the voice and the spoken word is, is always been really powerful for me. And, uh, I believe that it, it transmits energy. And so it's a way to reach into people's hearts um, beyond the actual meaning of words. You know, it has a vibration. And so um, I enjoy the experience of uh, podcasting. I, I love to teach and I love uh, talking to people, like-minded people. And so it just seemed like a good fit, you know, a natural fit. And also you can podcast in your pajamas and you don't have to wear makeup. <laughs> this is, this is true. This is true. I have to like get dressed to do the, uh, the video. I could just, <laughs> I should just stick to the, uh, podcast format only and just do it in my PJs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also I think, you know, if you're not on camera, um, for me, it makes me less less self conscious. I think coming from the background that I come from, one hundred percent. You know what I mean? I, like this I, idea oh, that absolutely. having to put on makeup and look good and stuff like that. Like I don't need any more of that in my life. I, you know, and and I, I, I'm coming to you from my car, Milo. Right. <laughs> right. No makeup and having cried much of the day because you know I feel very challenged by my circumstances right now. I had to let it out. You know. And I thought, oh man, I'm a mess and I'm going to have to go on camera. And I thought, just, I'm just going to go as I am. Milo's cool. He'll understand. Yes. And you know, I'd much rather share, I'd much rather share who I am authentically than, than, um, you know, I mean, there's no point in putting up a, a mask anymore. I just don't like to, you know, that's not, that would defeat the purpose of everything that right. I do and help people with. So. Right. Meanwhile, like I get, I came on like an hour before we started to make sure the lighting is good, that this is good, that, you know, like the hair is okay. Uh, <laughs> you look no, great, I, I understand what you mean a hundred percent and, and, you know, uh, putting on a, an image and, um, yeah, I, I get it 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then I want to talk about a, a program that just the wording of it, really stuck. I mean, it really stuck with me. And then reading the description, um, it 
it, I feel it here. And that is from burnout to bliss. Mm. Let's talk about that because I understand burnout. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, especially right now, Milo, people are, you know, burnout was a term that was associated with work for a long time, but I really associate it with life now, you know, life burnout. That's that feeling of being at the end of your spiritual rope, you know? Um, it's, it's, um, well, I started noticing uh, a trend in the people who were coming to me for consultations um, that, that, that word was being used a lot, that, 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 that was the experience that people were having, mostly women. Uh, I just so happens that most of my clients are women, although I do have a few men, it's just, you know, I think because women tend to, you know, with their children or, you know, they, they tend to give 110%, they give to other people. They, um, they don't think about themselves, you know, um, whether it's giving to your children or your family or, your community or your work um, or your job. And I know that men have their own version of that, but I started noticing, you know, this is really the stress. And, and so I got curious about, well, where is the stress coming from actually? And, and I started to understand that the stress, even though it looks like it's caused by outer circumstances, it's not, it's, it's due to the pressure, the inner pressure of unprocessed emotional energy. So we all have these feelings from childhood, you know, that um, according to our own personal programming uh, have been suppressed or repressed, which is even stronger, uh, or that we act out uh, or that we avoid, escape from, right? And, um, and none of those ways of dealing with the feelings are constructive. It actually just continues to build the pressure. And then the, the mind looks for situations in the outside world to release a little bit of that pressure. So you get stressed, you know, and you say, it's my job, it's my relationship, it's the fact that I've got no heat, no electricity, you know, whatever it is right. that you think, oh, it's stressing me out, right? It, that's not stressing. That is not the source of stress. It is the trigger, but it's not the source, right? So the source is, is within it's inward. And, um, and, and, and the, the, the source of it is that emotional pressure that's been built up over many, many years. And it makes people sick. It makes people depressed. It makes people feel tired uh, it really is, is it, you know, it kills, it's a killer. And so I saw a real need to address uh, directly the emotional energy, not by talking about things, but by processing the emotional energy itself, not going into the mind and about stories and this happened to me and that happened to me, not the root of therapy, uh, which has its place, of course. And I was in therapy myself for many years, but um as a yogi uh, and in my more recent work uh, and, and because I learned as an actor how to work with emotional energy, uh, I started to understand that, that we can actually work with that energy directly. And that is the equivalent of if you're on your computer, you know, you've got folders and you've got files and you take all your files and you put them in a folder, right? Right. When you work with it, that's how that's, that's what thoughts and feelings are. Feelings are the folder and thoughts and stories are the files. 
And huh. so, you know, you, you can process those files one by one, but if you've got thousands of files inside a folder, it's going to take you a long time to process all those files and drag them to the trash, right? You right. might as well just take the whole folder and drag it to the trash, right? And then it goes poof. And that's how it is with emotional energy. So I discovered that we can work with and process a great deal if we go straight through and we penetrate the emotional layer and uh, it's actually the simplest thing in the world. It's just that we were never taught how to do that and we can do it. So my program from burnout to bliss is, is based on uh, letting go of and releasing what we don't need anymore, uh, processing that emotional energy, learning a simple way to do that so that we become more aware of what we're going through and we can surrender it, we can release it, we can actually let it go and it dissolves. And then all of this energy that was pent up in trying to keep that stuff down is available for creativity. It's available for what you want it to be available for, right? And you start to reveal your natural state of which is blissful. Um, that's our natural state, right? right. So, um, so it's my uh, way of contributing to the elevation of consciousness on this planet and the elevation of people's vibration uh, on this planet. And so, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a, a, you know, an eight week process that'll teach you how to uh, work with that energy in a really concise and structured way, uh, through a practice of yoga and breath and meditation and learning some, um, pretty important spiritual laws that everybody should learn. Uh, everybody should understand in order right. to operate in alignment with the way that things are in this universe, instead of swimming, uh, you know, against the current all the time, which is what, which is, you know, why people feel so burned out. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a program that I created and that's uh, had a lot of success for the people who are, who are going through it. That's uh that's amazing. I want to change gears real quick. I want to dive into, uh, no stress. And that is, as we, uh, we get to our, our, our first, our, our mini games here. It's called the Milo Beasley Show. Frequently asked questions. Uh, these are going to be the same five questions that I ask to every single one of my guests. It's just the first thing that pops into your head. No stress. Don't stress right. about this. All right. So question number one, who is your first celebrity crush? Fox Mulder. <laughs> David Duchovny. <laughs> and then you got to, and then you got to work with him. I got to work with him. He's a great guy. Was that awkward? Were you like, oh man, he's right over there? No, he just when I met him, I was like, I know that guy. He's like an old friend. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. It's a good way yeah. to look at it. Uh, question number two: What is your guilty pleasure song? Bohemian Rhapsody. I like it. I like it. I was uh, doing not that I say I don't. I don't sing, but I was hosting karaoke the other day, and uh, that one's somebody inevitably always picks that one um and so uh it was good thing it wasn't me let's just say that <laughs> all right this is a, if you had to let's say if your life depended on it would you rather fight one giant duck or a hundred duck-sized horses <laughs> um i think i'd rather fight the giant duck fight the giant uh -huh. duck well, because, you know, a big, a giant duck doesn't have as much dexterity and I'd probably be able to run away from it, outrun it, tire it out, uh, oh. something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've never, nobody's ever said like run and tire the thing out. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Question number four. What is your favorite movie quote? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Red Butler one. And one that nobody has ever said on the show before. That's a good one. And it's such a classic. Oh. All right. Now, this one, you might have to dive into a little bit of ego. It's a fill in the blank. If blank was an Olympic sport, I would win a gold medal. <laughs> um, making my mom laugh. That's a, that's a very important quality to have. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, I, you know, like we talked about stress and moms can get stressed. So being able to take, you know, uh, take that out and, and make her laugh. That's it's very, very key. Yeah. My brother and I kind of, we tag team that one. I think he would win a gold medal too. We'd have to share that medal. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's better than the last, my, my last guest um, said farting. So uh, at least. Well, that was like, that's a close second, you know. That's a... <laughs> so you would be silver medal to his gold medal. Okay, guys. But I, I hope right. I wouldn't be standing downwind. It's true. Well, well, if you're on the medal podium, you don't, I don't think you want to be seconds because that would. <laughs> All right. And then the second of our two mini games is called the Milo Beasley show top five. I'm going to ask you a random question. You're going to give me your top five, no particular order. This one's going to be easy. It's Christmas time. Top five favorite Christmas movies. Oh, well, you know, of course, Elf has got to be in there. Right. Um, uh, Love Actually. Um, I guess Love Actually would be my first one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll put Elf in second place. Uh, and then, um, well, uh, it's a wonderful life. Uh, it's a wonderful life. And, oh, I like bad Santa. Oh, uh, I just watched bad Santa too the other day. <laughs> yeah. Bad Santa and, uh, the Grinch, the, the original cartoon, the original cartoon, right. With Thurl's Ravencroft. Yeah. 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 I, uh, that's a, that's a good list. So I have to ask how obviously, uh, Christmas here in the States, super commercialized. How is Christmas in France? Well, it's pretty commercialized here too. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you can participate in that to the degree that you want to. There's a lot of traditions here that are beautiful. They have the Christmas markets, you know, and so they set up all of these little wooden, they look like little cabins, uh, wooden cabins in the downtowns, so, you know, in the uh, Centre-ville, which is the, the, the center of, of town. And, you know, in, in France, because it's so old here, you know, things were built around like a church and then they got bigger yeah. and, you know, so there's a center of town almost everywhere you go. And, and the Christmas market is usually there. And so in a town about 40 minutes away where I'm heading tonight, uh, they have a, a Christmas market and they have a, uh, they have two, not one, but two ice skating rinks, um, set up outside. 
you know, and rides for children and roasted chestnuts and things like that. So you can wander through the Christmas market. I think it's a beautiful, uh, those are beautiful traditions. That um, is, that, yeah. That's fantastic. Now, before we wrap up, where can folks find you on the social medias or your website? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook group is called From Burnout to Bliss with Claire Lotier. Um, you can find me on my website at uh, clairelotier.com. Um, you can uh, we have stuff. We have it down there. It's, we have Instagram, yeah. we have Instagram, Facebook, oh, website. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got it all. You got it we try all. To, we, we try to be helpful here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on all, all the, you know, the usual, it can be found in the usual places. Yeah. Right, right. All right. Well, I, again, I want to thank you for spending uh, your evening with me, even if oh. it was in your car uh, <laughs> on, a cold, on a cold December night. Um, oh. Yeah. So, uh, again, thank you so much for, for, chatting with me today anything else you want to you want to say before we wrap up oh just that it was a pleasure really a pleasure you've got such a great energy and i can see why people love to watch your show so i want to thank you milo and i just want to give a heartfelt uh, greetings to all of you who watch this show i send you the light of the heart uh, at this time of year and uh i just uh, i can feel i can feel you guys and i just want to i'm sending you lots of love Thank you so much. And thank you for everybody watching at home or on your phones, wherever you may be listening on the podcast. Don't forget to uh, subscribe because that's, I don't know, that's how we judge people nowadays by subscriber <laughs> numbers or something. So uh, thank you for watching and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.